0: The Alabama Crops Report Podcast, your trusted information source for Alabama agriculture.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Alabama Crops Report Podcast. Scott Graham and Caitlin Kessheimer uh, here in the the roaming uh, studios today, Caitlin. We're we're, uh, doing this by Zoom today.
2: Yeah, we are in the digital scape today because our guest and friend of the podcast, Dr. David Russell, is up in northern Alabama. Welcome, David.
0: Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me.
2: David is our Extension Specialist in Weed Science, and he has responsibilities in corn, soybeans, small grains, forages, non-crop, and rights of way. And today we're going to talk about getting fields clean for planting and thinking about soil residual herbicides for weed control.
1: David, thanks for coming on today. How are you doing up there?
0: I'm doing good. i uh, just waiting for the fields to dry up to get in and do some uh, spraying. We've uh, been pretty wet up here lately uh got a couple frosts uh the last couple weeks and have set things back a little bit but i think we're about ready to start rolling
1: so you talk about that i know the the crop progress report came out we're recording today is april 4th so the most recent one came out yesterday april 3rd and that says we're approximately 21 percent planted for corn is you think that is that number job with what you're seeing
0: yeah, that's about right. We've seen most fields, at least those no-till fields, uh, most of them have already burned down with some type of herbicide. And uh, just this last week, as we've uh, hit a warm spell and, and a somewhat of a dry spell, uh, we've seen planters start to roll in the northern half of the state. I know we're as usual, uh, a couple weeks behind uh, the crops in the south part of the state, but we're about on time. We're about on schedule.
2: And yeah, I know a lot of growers in yeah Central and, and South Alabama have started putting seed in the ground, but what about growers who haven't planted yet and what are some considerations they can do as we're getting ready for weed control this year?
0: Yeah. So obviously corn's on the front of our minds since it's an early crop. And with that, uh, comes an earlier, at least a timely burn down. And, you know, we think of corn and wheat, we think of these grass crops. For me, as a weed scientist, I've, I've said it a, a lot, but removing grassy weeds from a grass crop is probably the most difficult. And ryegrass comes to the top of that list. Removing ryegrass in a timely manner is of utmost importance because of just how aggressive and competitive it, it is to corn seedlings.
1: Speaking of you know burn down from your perspective, when do you want to see a field burn down in corn? And from I guess from a cover crop, and I don't know if it would be different from uh just you know winter vegetation out there.
0: Yeah, you know, depending on the cover crop and how much biomass you've got out there, obviously we'd like that cover crop completely dead at the time of planting. So If that means two weeks, if that means uh, 30 days, you know, it depends on that farm and the biomass that's out there. When we think of ryegrass pressure and those volunteer stands of Italian ryegrass, you know, personally, I'd like to see those big clumps uh, completely killed at least three weeks to four weeks prior to corn planting. And if we're using some systemic herbicides like glyphosate or clethodim, those have to go out in a timely manner because generally throughout the months of February and March, it's going to be cooler. Plants aren't growing as aggressively. And so the activity that we're expecting to see from each of those herbicides are going to be just generally slow.
2: I think, Scott, that you asked that question because you want to follow up with some information on insects and burn down.
1: <laughs> so why don't you do that for me?
2: Well, I agree. I think, yeah, Three to four weeks, 30 days if you can, to get rid of that green bridge to stop early season corn pests from being a problem. Because for a lot of our corn insects, um, specifically early season pests, we don't have rescue treatments. And so if you get off to the wrong foot um, with insect control in corn, then you can really be in a tough situation for managing those pests.
1: Yeah, David didn't really take the bait. I was expecting to so say, we want to plant green and have biomass and all that kind of stuff. But I guess when most of these are grass weeds, he's kind of got a point there that, hey, it's, it's hard to kill those. You know, one, one thing we're starting to see probably more and more riding around are these clumps of Italian ryegrass that are still hanging out out there. What, what's the deal with that?
0: Yeah, I think there's a little bit of confusion between what we call typically annual ryegrass and Italian ryegrass. I often hear those terms used interchangeably. Technically, they're both annual ryegrass. They're the same genus species, uh, but I think you see different biotypes. I think it's slightly different genetically. I think the morphologically, the, the morphological traits are slightly different in just the way, at least the Italian ryegrass uh, grows, especially this time of year. If you think about annual ryegrass, it germinates in the fall. Soil temperatures typically are around the upper 50s, low 60s, uh, whenever those begin to germinate, along with other cool season annuals. When we think of annual ryegrass, I think our minds, or at least my mind, goes to a lot of the commercial varieties that are often used in forages. Uh, the Marshall varieties, uh, the Gulf varieties, for example. Those come up in a uniform stand and are relatively easy to control uh, if we have to, just because uh, it's a uniform stand and we can get that uh, control or at least use that, utilize that whenever they're vegetative. Italian ryegrass on the other hand, I think is different enough genetically that it, cre- it creates a really robust clump. And it may germinate in the fall. And then by the time spring rolls around, you've got this big established root system here that we're trying to deal with. And so it's more aggressive, uh, it is more robust and single applications a lot of times of herbicide just aren't effective to, to kill that. You, you asked the question about uh, how soon ahead of corn planting that we need to kill these weeds. We got to think about uh, label restrictions as well because if we're using a product like Clefidem that's a minimum of 30 day plant back to corn. And so Clefidem, just like glyphosate in cooler months, is slow. Although those both of those products are active on the ryegrass clumps, it's going to be relatively slow to work. So you may spray that 30 days ahead of when you plan to plant corn, and then you get within a week or two of planning to plant, and then you're sitting there wondering if that herbicide's even going to work. Um, so if you have those big, robust clumps out there that have not yet died, um, We often go to the paraquat products or those systems that may be a little bit more effective, maybe uh, adding a group five like atrazine uh, ahead of corn or metribuzin ahead of soybeans or maybe diuron ahead of cotton with that paraquat for a more effective kill with paraquat
1: these tend to be worse or or better or indifferent in, in say, a no-till field versus a field in conventional tillage? or
0: Yeah, uh, you'll, you'll tend to see a lot of the bigger clumps in no-till fields just because, you know, especially if the disc didn't run in the fall, uh, those uh, plants that were trying to get established weren't interrupted. And so you've got the entire winter for these plants to slowly establish that root system. And by the time the spring rolls around, especially in no-till systems, they're well-established, and so if tillage is an option in the spring, a lot of times, if you haven't incorporated a herbicide in that program, tillage just simply isn't going to be effective by itself to kill those big clumps. It'll completely turn upside down, but with the moisture that we have throughout the months of February and March, it'll still sit there and continue to grow.
2: So, we're talking about... Before planting corn, some options. What about um, corn that's already emerging, especially in the southern part of the state?
0: Good question. Yeah. So, obviously, for weed controlling corn, um, atrazine tends to be our backbone for the annual weeds, and getting those out in a timely manner. You know, typically we'll go out with two and a half quarts of the four pound atrazine. Typically, about a quart uh, is applied at planting. To get us off to a good start with our burn down, and then we'll come back early post with the remainder of that product. And so that will at least get us uh, into the middle of the growing season and hopefully in moderate to light weed pressures, uh, hopefully that will allow us to get good canopy coverage. But the morning glories tend to be a problem late season in corn, and so we have to think of those uh, soil residual herbicides like the you know, like the group 27's um, Timbotron or Misotron that will be effective into the soil to get us further into the growing season to minimize that morning glory emergence.
1: You got anything new coming out that'll that'll help fight any of these problematic weeds?
0: As far as herbicide active ingredients, you know, there's not been a new, technically a new introduced uh, herbicide active for many, many years. Um, companies do continue to come out with slight modifications of actives and and different tank mixtures of of different actives, or they're bringing a certain active over from other markets. But uh, I will say that Reviton is one that we've been looking at for the last couple of years. I've I've seen some adoption across the state using Reviton. Reviton's a PPO. uh, So if anyone has used Sharpen, it's the same class of chemistry. And in fact, Reviton is the same use rates as Sharpen, just with not as much soil residual as Sharpen has. So Helm Agro is touting that as a tank mix partner with Glyphosate or Clepidem to add some grass activity uh, with those applications. And so... Um, although it will provide a little better uh, grass activity than sharpen. Uh, if you've got mare's tail, I'd still keep sharpen in the tank because sharpen is still superior to Reviton um, it, when it comes to the mare's tail. But for grass weeds, uh, I think Reviton is a good tank mix partner with something like Clepidim or glyphosate.
2: So we've been uh, talking primarily about corn and and preplant for corn, but what about some weed, weed management strategies to consider ahead of soybean planting?
0: Yeah, good question. Hopefully growers still have a little time to plan uh, ahead of soybean uh, being early April right now. But the same thing applies uh, in corn. We want to consider the history of our fields regarding the weed pressures that we anticipate and so going out with a timely burn down is, is really important and having those fields clean by the time the soybean seed goes in the ground. So pre-emergence for soybean, we typically rely on the espantola core pl- products like dual or boundary or the peroxysol foam products like Zidua or metribuzin that's in several different products like boundary or authority or fierce. So that gets us off to a really good start as a pre-emergence. We've often found in our research trials that two and three-way actives in a tank mixture do a whole lot better than just single actives in weed control and soybeans. So putting those out in a timely manner will at least keep our fields clean, hopefully up until canopy coverage. I think a lot of producers kind of got into a bind last year because either we had product shortages or prices were too high coming off of the COVID years. And I saw some producers either put out too little or completely skip their pre-emergence applications at planting. And then it turned off dry. And so that was not a good scenario. And it left us uh, trying to figure out what to do mid-season to control a lot of aggressive weeds like pigweed. So if you've got pigweeds in the mix, uh, obviously we've got our herbicide traits that's either in list or the extend, or just Roundup Ready. And so obviously we have for Enlist, 2,4-D and or Liberty. And then with Extend, uh, those are the Dicamba platforms. And so if you have any escapes mid-season, like the, the pigweeds or the teaweeds or the morning glories, use those. And if it's bad enough, add those residual post-emergence, uh, like the dual magnums or the outlooks or the warrants you know, or the Zigible products to get us through the end of the season.
1: Something else you mentioned there, David, that I'll, I'll note, and you may have some feedback as well, but when I've been out and about this spring talking with retail and distributors and folks, everybody's pretty comfortable with where they are right now with uh, product from herbicide, insecticide, fungicide, everybody feels like they're in a good spot. Uh, and that's primarily probably central and South Alabama folks I've been talking with, but I assume it's the same for North Alabama as well.
0: Yeah, I've not heard of any big shortages this year. I think shelves are pretty well stocked and inventory is there. Uh, And so we should be off to a good start this year.
1: Well, you got any other uh, things to talk about or updates from your weed science program that you'd like to to mention?
0: Well, obviously spring for any of us uh, has us really busy and so we're in full swing. I, I am happy about the state of our weed science program through Auburn. Uh, We've got four or five weed scientists on board now, including myself. Last fall, we introduced uh, Dr. Mighty. He came to us from Texas A&M. And so he's getting his program started. He's got a couple of grad students right now. Uh, Those students are doing statewide uh, weed collections. And so for anybody anybody out there listening, if you have a population of weeds, whether it be pig weeds or annual ryegrass or whatever it may be, that you suspect may be herbicide uh, resistant to certain herbicides, let us know. Uh, We'll send grad students to come sample. Uh, The plan is to screen a lot of those problematic populations in the greenhouse and figure out what kind of statewide resistance uh, that we have. We've got a lot of grad students this year under various professors on the main campus that will hopefully compete in the Uh, Weed Science Society of America's weed contest this year. So that's really exciting. So we've got a good group uh, that's currently in training and that uh, team covers all aspects of weed science from sprayer application to weed identification to herbicide symptomology to farmer problems and calibration. So it's a very good training opportunity. And I, uh, I think the future of the weed science program uh, through Auburn is looking up. It's it's really strong right now.
2: That's great to hear and that you have the the next generation of, of weed scientists being trained up in your program. I do want to ask, you mentioned that growers can contact you all if they suspect problematic weeds. What's the best way they can get in touch with you or someone else from the program?
0: Yeah, you can contact me by phone. Uh, that's probably the easiest way, uh, but I'll have my email out there too. Uh, we can add that to the end of this podcast or look me up through the ACES website or the Auburn University website. But I would say phone, call or text is probably the easiest way. Uh, And then we obviously communicate by email.
2: Well, David, thanks so much for joining us um, and giving us those early season weed control updates. And I'm sure we'll have you back on the podcast later in the season as growing season gets underway and we have weeds that are coming up that need to be controlled.
1: Yeah, thank you. Just call if I can ever help. All right. So uh, th- again, thanks, David. and Thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, we appreciate y'all signing in each episode. And uh, if you ever have any feedback or need anything from any of us, please don't hesitate to uh, reach out and let us know.
0: The Alabama Crops Report podcast is a production of the Alabama Cooperative Extension System and is sponsored by Alabama Ag Credit.